You're now listening to the TGC Roundup. Yes, it's so fun. The TGC Roundup. We won't want to shoot ourselves before it's done. The TGC Roundup. It's the thing we're gonna do. Gonna read some Gospel Coalition articles so gospel-y for me and you. The TGC Roundup, yeah! Hey, everybody. It's the TGC Roundup. <sighs> Sigh. Yeah. We're gonna highlight some articles from the Gospel Coalition. I'm Nathan. I'm a little bit of a host. Ben, he's the preacher who's a teacher of... Not the teacher of the Gospel Coalition. No. A teacher re- Colon, the Garfield Gospel, the Garfield, the Garfield Coalition. The Garfield Coalition. That'd be a good website. <laughs> Just a website on articles on why Monday is bad and the joys <laughs> of lasagna. And let's see. Top seven ways to get rid of Nermal. There's all kinds of great things that the Garfield Coalition could do. Yeah, yeah. I guess that he really only gets rid of Nermal by kicking Nermal mm-hmm. long distances. That's usually what happens to Nermal. I would... Love a way. listener. If you want to start a website that is the Garfield Coalition, then could be also a coalition about why James A. Garfield was the best president of the United States. Well, it should probably co- collate all Garfields. All Garfields. <laughs> so, what did James A. Garfield think about Mondays? How did 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 he just scoop big handfuls of lasagna into his mouth? I don't know. Yeah, I'm I don't not know. sure. I'm not sure what happened. Are there any other famous Garfields besides the cat and the president? Do, do, do. Oh, Wikipedia. It has an article. Famous Garfields. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say not so much. There's, there's people. Is it? Is it? Founder of the World Juggling Fe- Federation, hey, Jason Garfield. Jason Garfield. Yeah. Nice. There's. Oh, actually, you know what? There is. This is quasi-famous. This guy's still alive. Richard Garfield created Magic: The Gathering. Oh wait, I just remembered another one that we talk about all the time. Andrew Garfield. Oh, he of your favorite Spider-Man movie. <laughs> That's right. How could I not think of him? Yeah, the world is actually full of Garfields. Yeah. And yeah, there should be a Garfield coalition. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. <sighs> you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for saying you're welcome, Ben. And no. Folks, we're going to do it. We're going to talk about the Gospel Coalition. I could do a bit of a Gospel Coalition roundup. They've got so many amazing articles these days. Which one do you want to talk about first, Ben? No, let's start with the good faith debates. Yes, this is an advertisement for something that they're doing called the good faith debates. I don't know that they've actually released any good faith debates yet, but no, they've released a video. I, I guess I can read a little bit of the blurb. Are you feeling pressure to understand and engage with an ever-growing array of confusing and polarizing issues? Perhaps you've witnessed bitter arguments tearing your family, friends, or churches apart. You're not alone. I feel it too. Every week I hear from confused and concerned Christians. They want less light and more heat. They want to stay focused on the gospel. They want to put their action, or no, their faith, into action. They want to care, but they don't know who to trust. The Gospel Coalition serves the church by producing timely content that grapples with some of the most pressing issues of our time. (laughs) I like that it's timely content that grapples with some of the most pressing issues of our time. It's it's good. I mean, that's what timely content would do, I guess, is grapple with issues of time. So, they're doing several debates. How should Christians think about gun control? Featuring Bob Thune and Andrew Wilson. Is the woke church a stepping stone to theological compromise? Featuring Sean DeMars and Rebecca McLaughlin. 
Should the pro-life movement be holistically womb-to-tomb or narrowly womb-focused? Oh, man. Some of these questions seem to be... What's the word? What's, what is it when you wait the question? There's a phrase for it. It's not begging the question. I don't know. It's like, the mm. answer. you have made the answer inherent in the way that you have phrased the question. Yeah. 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 What's, um, what's the best approach for the church to address racial injustice? Featuring Brian Davis and Justin Gibney. Should we insist on a theological and historical definition of evangelical if many self-described evangelicals see it primarily as a political identity? These are the pressing and timely issues of the day. I don't know about you, Ben, but I couldn't fall asleep last night. I was like, ah, oh, man, should we insist on a theological and historical definition of evangelical if many self-described evangelicals see it primarily as a political identity? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> and then I did fall asleep and I had nightmares about that, just that. All night I tossed and turned. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. Yep. What do, what do you think about? Well, what I I think I think it's lame. Yes. I think it just is. Yes. And I think the video makes it even more lame. The yes. uh, the little trailer that they cut together of, yeah. of all the all the panelists that they're going to have. How would you describe it? Oh, it's just typical. Here's here's some some moody, repetitive piano music mm-hmm. playing for sixty seconds while we the camera just pans and pans again and again in the same motion over our sharply dressed quasi celebrity Christians. Right. And I just I they don't I'm not interested in them or what they have to say because I don't trust the gospel coalition to provide me with useful content as mm-hmm. a rule. But I also just the way the video was made instills no confidence in me that this will be more than a than a show. So it's like this moodily lit stage, it's glowing for fluorescent lights, it's yeah. Uh, people in, for lack of a better word, hipster clothing. I'm sure there is a better word, but the cool side of yuppie clothing, getting up and declaiming things to Mm -hmm. each other. And yeah, just aesthetically, it's very off-putting. It just, I don't know, why is it? Why why is that aesthetic? Because it's not like, like we've been talking about a video series we hope to produce for Warhorn Media, and we've been talking about what outfits to wear and how we can make it look cool and stuff like that like we're not we're not insensible to that sort of thing so what is it that it is about the aesthetic of this video that's so off-putting i it cannot simply be they put time into it and money into it and therefore it's bad no no it's not that at all i i'm not sure i don't i i'm not sure if it's a chicken or egg problem i associate the gospel coalition with artificiality right and with um with an essential failure to care for the sheep, mm-hmm. failure to know people, be part of their lives. And I, I associate it, especially these days, with flattery. Yeah. Constant flattery. Flattery of each other, especially. Mm-hmm. Everyone, if you're going to talk with someone or you're going to take shots at someone on the Gospel Coalition, you're going to make sure to flatter them first. Yes. And only then are you allowed to suggest criticism. Mm-hmm. Unless you're black, in which case you're allowed to be more strident. Yes. And, but also flattery of the audience. It's Mm -hmm. just, um, part of that is by always oozing certain emotions Mm -hmm. towards the readers and watchers and, uh, and teaching them a very soft, gauzy style of rhetoric that Mm -hmm. masks what's at the heart of issues like the ones they're going to be talking about. And so, 
the video to me is is more of that. It's it pretends to be hard hitting. Mm-hmm. It's like newsroom light or something. Yeah, and everyone's well dressed. And the suggestion is that all of this really may be hard hitting, but it's also safe and comfortable. Mm-hmm. And and everything's going to be fine. And that's just not true. Yeah, it's not really addressing these issues. Whatever you want to say about what they chose. As subjects. I mean, well, maybe a way to talk about the aesthetic would be to say that it's hard hitting in the same sense that a similar show, a debate show on, say, CNN would be hard hitting. Like it has some of the paraphernalia of dun, 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 dun. Right. But really, it's just a bunch of people that agree sitting in a moody, moodily lit room, mm-hmm. kind of being emotional about things mm-hmm. and, da, 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 and have, just getting into a rhythm like this. Da, da, mm-hmm. And then the other person picks up the rhythm and it's like music. And you go over to Fox News and they have the same thing. It's basically just an echo chamber and it has the aesthetic of an echo chamber. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about that particular? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, the other, I don't know if you had any other ones, but there is a big article we were going to get to today from on the Gospel Coalition. Yeah. It's right there. Oh, yeah. Responding to homosexuality, culture of care versus culture, oh, sorry, culture, yeah, sorry, culture of care versus culture of cure by Hans Maldum and Jean Wingard. <laughs> Jean Wingard. <laughs> Jean Wingard. No, he's John Wingard, professor of philosophy and the dean of humanities at Covenant College. And Hans Maldum is associate professor of theological studies at Covenant College mm-hmm. and is on the editorial board for Demelios, however you say that. And uh, yeah, so this is actually a review of Still Time to Care by Greg Johnson. If you want to hear everything about Greg Johnson and the movement that he is spearheading, you can listen to our Revoice episode from Mm -hmm. a couple of years ago now, a few years ago, where we talk in depth about the gay affirming Christian movement, the same sex attracted affirming Christian movement, I should say. Mm -hmm. Greg Johnson has been the tip of the spear. And all of that. And so, they're reviewing his book. Yeah, Still Time to Care. Uh, subtitle, What We Can Learn from the Church's Failed Attempt to Cure Homosexuality. Yeah, why don't I just actually read from the cover, like the book, yeah, sure. the book's text, the blurb on the book. At the start of the gay rights movement in 1969, evangelicalism's leading voices cast a vision for gay people who turned to Jesus. We see them... We see with them a positive pastoral approach towards gay people, an approach that viewed homosexuality as a fallen condition experienced by some Christians who needed care more than cure. So that's where we were in the halcyon days of 1969. Next paragraph. With the birth and rise of the ex-gay movement, the focus shifted from care to cure. As a result, there are an estimated 700,000 people alive today who underwent conversion therapy in the United States alone. Despite the best of intentions, the movement ended with very troubling results. Yet the ex-gay movement died not because it had the wrong sex ethic. It died because it was founded on a practice that diminished the beauty of the gospel. For Orthodox Christians, the way forward is a path back to where we were 40 years ago. It is time again to focus with our neo-evangelical fathers on care, not cure, for our non-straight sisters and brothers who are living lives of costly obedience to Jesus. Yeah. So they are reviewing a book that has that blurb and yeah, what do they do and what do you want to say about it, Ben? We were just talking about flattery and, and the, these guys approach to Johnson is 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 flattery. Mm-hmm. Let's take this let's take this paragraph not long into their essay reviewing the book. 
Quote, the book is well-written, full of pastoral warmth and hard-won wisdom. Johnson writes with verve and models a winsome orthodoxy that Christians everywhere should emulate. This man is single, in his 40s, and still a virgin. Regardless of how you judge his ministry, here's a brother with something to boast about, unquote. And I say, well, that's called begging the question. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how, how about if I judge his ministry based on what he's written and what he's been writing and promoting, mm-hmm. and the harm or... Uh, the harm or the helpfulness mm-hmm. of, of what's happened because yeah. of that. How about that? What if we do that? Don't start me off with, this is just flattery. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. These guys should be ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how they're going to spend quite a while talking about, talking, just, just trying to make as much space for Johnson to exist as something you ought to read that's valuable for you mm-hmm. as they can before they get to their concerns. Right. You have to scroll and scroll and scroll. It's a long article and you have to sort of move your fingers across the mouse pad three or four mm-hmm. times, maybe five or six times before you actually get to. And all of this stuff is just the places where Johnson gets it, the places where he understands the dangers of the ex-gay movement, the his pastoral verve and warmth has been related to us. And then finally, at the very bottom, we get to one question and two reservations. Mm-hmm. And their their question is just why did he include a rainbow on the cover of the book? Mm-hmm. Was, was he properly entering into the uh, signification of the Noahic covenant and all that sort of thing? Which is, mm-hmm. I, I just don't even know what to say about that being their question. Well, but then they, of course, they're going to undermine it. Yeah, doesn't quote doesn't the use of the rainbow theme and the dust jacket run the risk of misleading the potential reader, suggesting that the book is somehow promoting or aligned with the LGBTQ plus agenda? But Johnson has ably defended the biblical sexual ethic in this book alongside a beautiful and biblically grounded paradigm of care for the church, unquote. And it just keeps going. So, it's, it's just, you guys, <laughs> just state your criticism. You don't need to flatter Johnson. Mm. You just state it. Mm. It's okay. Also, they're missing the, the, the entire double act, the, the diabolical genius of somebody like Greg Johnson is that he is able to himself flatter the lgbtq plus movement Mm -hmm. by doing things like include rainbow flags and then have somewhere buried in his text a a pretty straightforward as our critics here see it defense of biblical sexuality and so he's actually speaking out he's actually very intentionally speaking out of both sides of his mouth he's he wants you to think that he's being sexually orthodox he, he wants Christians, I should say, to think that he's being sexually orthodox. Mm-hmm. And he wants LGBTQ people to think that he's not. And it, it's actually quite possible to do both and to signify both in a really sneaky, snaky, slippery way. And it's as simple as doing something like putting a rainbow flag on your cover, which mm-hmm. says something and which means something. It doesn't have anything to do with the Noahic. <laughs> covenant and and so our 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 dudes here are all like well it doesn't really make any sense no it doesn't make any sense because it's intentionally deceptive and misleading it's not like oh he took a stab at understanding the and bringing us along to the noahic covenant so no it doesn't have anything to do with the noahic covenant the only reason to have the rainbow on there is it just is to signal your acceptance right of course exactly johnson's doing a very sophisticated tap dance where where he's doing both things and it's hard to even argue with because he he actually does just do both yeah constantly (laughs) he does and our friends here writing the article 
are not willing to call him on that. They want to give credence to all the places where he does the orthodox dance and, and then ignore the volume of places where he doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, it's, uh, if I sound a little tongue tied, it's because I am. It, it's, it's, it's like if someone comes up to you and says, I'm the devil. How do you argue with that? Like, <laughs> here's my rainbow flag, homosexuality, which the Bible calls an abomination. I'm going to now make my identity, make my identity and spend 304 pages carefully making space for it. And I'm also going to claim to be biblical orthodox, or biblically orthodox. And that's, that's really slimy. It's really blatantly slimy. And yeah. 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 The, the writings on the wall. Clearly, he wants this on the dust jacket because he wants to promote the LGBTQ movement. He wants to signal a marriage between them and their movement and Christianity. Mm-hmm. That's what he exists to do. Well, and then they they're they're big. So to sort of build on that, they have their question and they have their reservations. Their big reservation is that let me just find a good place. We worry that Johnson's penetrating critique of and reaction against the ex-gay movement throws out the baby with the bathwater. Has he, perhaps inadvertently, abandoned the hope of significant change in our se- sinful sexual desires and temptation? temptations? Throughout the book, Johnson denies that Christians should expect change and prefers to emphasize the stability of our sexual desires and propensities. For example, he writes, There is no cure for corrupted nature in this life. We remain inescapably children of Adam. There's only a charge to fight our corrupted nation, nature's temptations to sin. Later, he asks, can we not find a way to acknowledge the reality and persistence of sexual orientations that seldom change and are part of our lowercase secondary identities while still locating homoerotic temptation as an effect of the fall and manifestation of indwelling sin? I think we can and must, so that's Johnson going back to the authors, indeed, the message that substantial change in sexual attraction is highly unlikely is implicit throughout Johnson's history of the failed ex-gay movement, blah, blah, blah. The reader thus never hears that believers should expect God by his spirit to lessen the power and frequency of such sexual temptations, indeed, to lessen concupiscence itself following the normal pattern for all sins we face in the Christian life. And the Gospel Coalition goes on at some length, confused Mm -hmm. about how Johnson seems to be speaking out of two sides of his mouth here, but they just they just they just they just register a concern, <laughs> right? What they don't register is that Johnson is is lying. Mm-hmm. What they don't register is that Johnson is contradicting the scriptures, right? What they don't register is that you can't have an identity in Christ and an identity in sin at right. the same time, mm-hmm. and that y- what they don't register is that this is a contradiction, right? And it's not allowed by scripture. And insofar as they register that, they want to say, well, maybe it was inadvertent. They literally use the word inadvertently. It's like, no, it's the entire game that Johnson's playing very slickly and very intentionally and very smartly. He is equivocating. He's dancing between two different points of view. He's saying two different things. He's claiming orthodoxy over here. And then he's being a heterodox monster over here. And he's mixing and matching in a way such that he can deceive simple Christians. It's it's the entire point of the book. And it's funny, it's hilarious that they actually do put their finger uh, on like, well, that's weird. It's saying two different things. Uh, and then <laughs> in their gracious winsomeness, 
they want to ascribe that to maybe overzeal or inadvertent error on his part or something. Well, like that. but the, but the problem is also that is if you read this article, you'll see they've just they they're not settled on whether sexual orientation is a is a real category or not that Christians ought to use. They're like, uh, this guy suggests it may be all wrong, and we're we're we lean that way too, and oh, we just have some reservations that Johnson is on board with dividing humanity into heterosexual versus homosexual. Right. But, uh, uh, so that's a reservation. Right. You guys, you're already behind the eight ball. Mm-hmm. Like, you're already lost. Yeah. Your identity is either in Christ or it's in your sin. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. You, you're, you're not al- allowed to identify on the second level, the smaller case I identity as a drunkard right. or an adulterer or a child molester or, uh, or with the desires associated with those evil sins. You're not allowed. You're in Christ, you're a new creation. You can't be a homosexual. You're not allowed to be. But Ben, indwelling sin, what about, I'm, I'm just more tempted to be greedy than other people. <laughs> well, you got to fight that and you can't label yourself with that. And, it, 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 and if you did want to label yourself with that, that would be a shameful thing to do. Mm-hmm. You ought to be ashamed for and labeling it, yourself with sin. And any pastor worth his salt would call you to repentance and say, yeah. how dare you label <laughs> yourself a lowercase sin <laughs> right as as your identity yeah and so and it's it's interesting that their first reservation is well johnson seems to have a weak view of sanctification and their second is we're not sure about this language language of sexual orientation and can they not see that the first thing they address comes from the issue of sexual orientation the reason the reason there's a problem with sanctification and johnson's whole understanding of what to do with people who are tempted with, with, with evil desires mm-hmm. for abominable acts of sodomy is because they're confused about who we are in Christ mm-hmm. and the issue of, of identity. And if they were clear on that, they would simply be able to condemn Johnson and they would understand why he has a weak view of sanctification. Right. Well, I would further add, it's not just who we are in Christ. It's who we are under God's creation mandate. This goes all the way back to Genesis. The identity of not homosexual mm-hmm. is, is built into our DNA from Genesis 1. We are male and female and we have a calling attached to our maleness if we're male or our femaleness if we're female. And there's a calling and many temptations may come, but that doesn't take away from who you are as a man or who you are as a woman mm-hmm. and the calling that comes with that. And the Bible does actually make... How to say it? The Bible does actually differentiate between different degrees of perversion. Mm-hmm. It, it actually doesn't call every sin an abomination. It does call homosexuality, se- sexuality, sodomy, an abomination. And so, when somewhere in this article, I won't bother to find it. You know, the, one of Johnson's big trump cards is the whole "Why do we go so easy on greed <laughs> and <laughs> oh. lust?" But, but we're always picking on homosexuality. Well, the reason we're always picking on homosexuality is because it does get at something. It is a perversion and a rebellion against something very foundational to the way that God made us. And as such, it should be revolting. God made it to be revolting. And any book that claims to have sympathy for homosexuals and doesn't include that revulsion somehow, somewhere in the way that it's written and in the contents of what it's saying is not doing them any favors. And our pastor back in Bloomington, Pastor Tim Bailey, always talked about how, or always does still talk about, I should say, it's not like he's dead or something. He 
he talks about how the book Grace of Shame he wrote, which we talked about, got banned from Amazon, actually. Mm-hmm. How many homosexuals he had reach out to him and say, thank you for attaching shame to this. This is what I needed for repentance. In some cases, I'm literally dying. Like, I am going to die of a disease because Mm -hmm. no one in my church was willing to simply do the work of saying, this is shameful. This is wicked. This is bad. This is something that fills us with revulsion. This is an abomination. That's doing people a favor when you say that. And there's, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily, it doesn't mean that you're just fire and brimstone. It doesn't mean that you're holding a sign that says God hates fags. There, there is actually a gentle, winsome reproach to real pastoral work, but that has nothing to do with what Greg Johnson's talking about Mm -hmm. in this book. And the other thing that's ironic to me, talk about talking out of two sides of your mouth here, the gospel coalition is doing the exact same trick where they're like, well, yeah, it's got some problems. And they bury that towards the end Mm -hmm. and play them down and then spend the rest of the time, how many hundreds of thousands of words flattering Greg Johnson and talking about how winsome and good his work is. And they're just talking out of two sides of their mouth. It's it's really egregious. Uh, What else do you want to say about this, Ben? Ah, they're just, they're unhelpful. They're unhelpful reviewers. (laughs) They're not helpful. And then they end, they end... (laughs) They restate a criticism. They end this way. Quote, in our opinion, the paradigm of care is inadequate without a complementary devotion to sanctification. And then they commend Johnson's book to you. Mm -hmm. This is an important contribution to the growing body of literature for confessional believers who want help navigating our cultural moment. How unhelpful can you be? You identify incredibly large problems that you treat very lightly, and then you commend the book. Right. That's just such sort of Orwellian wordplay there. In our opinion, the paradigm of care is inadequate without a complementary devotion to sanctification. How would we translate that? In our opinion, the idea that (laughs) we should simply allow for identification Uh, with with an ongoing... (laughs) Here's maybe a better question is how would we improve that sentence? What, What should it actually say? It's impossible and even insane to have an idea of caring for those tempted by heinous sin without caring for their growth and holiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that gets that. You'll notice that Ben's sentence is both more understandable, like you know exactly what he means because he's using $3 words instead of $20 words, actually says something as opposed to, in our opinion, the paradigm of care is inadequate without a complementary devotion to sanctification. Uh, so many abstract concept words piled on top of each other. You just barely even. Yeah. It's, it's not that it's difficult to see what they're saying. I'm, I'm not claiming that, but it's like empty calories. You don't have to chew on it. It just goes in one ear, goes out the other. And, and that's the whole yeah. practiced style of the Gospel Coalition and of apparently Hans Mudam and Jean Lingard. Yeah. It's typical. Oh, boy. All right. Anything else for the TGC roundup, Ben? I don't think so, Nathan. I think we can leave it there for now. No. (laughs) Yeah. I think we can leave it there for now. All right. All right. Well, I'm depressed. It's always depressing to talk about TGC. Yay! Yay! Hey, you know what's not depressing is to go to patreon.com forward slash the sound. Or no, just sound of sanity. No definite article there. No, No article of any kind. Just... Patreon.com for the sound of sanity. You can be part of our Discord, talk about cool stuff, 
with us and your fun sanity friends. Yep. Uh, pretty cool. And you can do other things. Me and Ben make fun videos sometimes. Stuff like that. Patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Until next time. Stay sane.